Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Jed Brewer. Greetings! With us as well from Oak Tennessee, Lee Younger. Hello, hello. We have a wonderful show lined up for you. got some more of your great questions. But first, we must start with the This Has Gone Too Far emergency. Oh! Ah. Now, we on this show have have touched on, over the years, the the particular subgenre of Christian pun for a thing. Um, yeah. You know, the classic uh, T-shirt of a breadcrumb and fish. Yeah. These type of things. We may have gone too far at this point. Okay. I bring to you the name of a coffee shop in Goodrich, Michigan. Shadrach, Meshach, and a bean to go. Oh, stop it. That is what they call in the business quite a reach. Yeah. Yeah. I I, w- I would love to th- to to see the honest reaction of a person who has no church experience, no Bible experience whatsoever, trying to read that thing and saying, why can't you just call it the daily grind or whatever? Yeah, Bob's coffee. Yeah, I mean, just trying to work that out, just trying to sound it out, like with Hooked on Phonics. Yeah. Like, what does that say? Yeah. I don't really drink coffee, but I would be concerned that everything was going to be that. Like, you were going to have, you know, a, you know, the light, the light of the word light roast and just things were going to get concerning. Like, we were really, really going to overplay that. Well, I like the idea, like, I also like just how long this is for a title of a, you know, for the name of a store, Shadrach, Meshach, and a bean to go. Like, why don't we just have the entire list of the the books of the New Testament, and then just in all capitals, Hebrews, James, Jude, and Revelation, just all of them, just with with brews in all caps right there, just like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you know... Acts, Romans, First, Second Corinthians, all the way down to Hebrews. James, that's good. That's very first, very Second good. Peter, First, Second. Yeah. Well, you know, we could we could do we could do another version of, of a similar thing. I'm imagining a scenario where some poor person and look, I've been here. We've all been here. Where you're about to have a bathroom emergency. You 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 need <laughs> the facilities and you need them right now. And so you run into Shadrach, Meshach, and Abin to go and like. You're you're sweating like things are not going well, like, you know, and you're like, uh, oh, my gosh, gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, may may I may I use your restroom? And I'm just picturing a guy in a sweater with a huge grin who says, well, at Shadrach, Meshach and a bean to go. We don't have a restroom, but what we do have and you're free to use it is a Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. (laughs) And it's right around the corner. (laughs) That is that is well done. I've typed in to my Google machine Hebrews coffee. Okay. And there are at least two totally separate Hebrews coffee shops in the Chicagoland area alone. For real? Yep. There's one in uh, on the Illinois-Wisconsin uh, border and one in lovely, sure, Quincy, Illinois. Ah. There are two separate. That Well, there's several more because there is a... HebrewsCoffee.com, HebrewsLocalCoffee.com, HebrewsCoffeeCompany.com, HebrewsXICoffee.com. 
So maybe at least the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abin to go people went for something semi-original? Maybe. Here's what I know. They will know we are Christians by our puns. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a great... It's not very seeker-friendly as far as coffee shop names to names go. Now, I will say one one other thing I respect about it is in the era of every church trying to change its name to be something that sounds like it's not a church to, I guess, trick yep. people into coming, they become like, you know, local, you know, elevation, height, passion, worship center, or whatever. And you Not know. Baptist, not a church. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we are no affiliation with the Baptist with the Southern Baptist Convention Church. We're still Baptist, but we just made that the title. Not the bad ones, community church. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to be said for just really overcooking your uh, your your Christian affiliations at the top there. Yeah, yeah. But that does bring us to an important thing as far as truth in naming goes. Um because Jim, this is also our, our last episode that will go out before Halloween. Ah. Ooh. And uh, it is my understanding that uh, we need to warn our listeners that people are just trying to sneak black tar heroin into the Snickers this year. <laughs> <laughs> if your parents ingest a certain amount of right-wing media, you may have come across the idea that uh, people take Halloween as an opportunity to give out free hard opiates. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You mean the stuff they're usually trying to make a lot of money off of? Yeah. That's, um, you don't want to be the guy going to the cartel who collected you saying, Oh no, I thought that was a, I thought that was a freebies bag. (laughs) (laughs) I just gave that out to the local youth for some mischief. Oops. Yeah, uh, the three of us have done over the last several years of our careers a lot of work with people in addiction, uh, some work with people who have been on the uh, supply side, shall we say, of this particular ah. uh, gray market. Here's the thing. No <laughs> one's giving away drugs. No, no. It's kind of a miracle in this in this day and age in this country that people still give away candy. Yeah. Like, I can't believe that there hasn't been, like, it's kind of like public libraries. Like, if that wasn't already a tradition, there's no way it would get off the ground now yeah there'd be a lot of like well why don't you have the kid venmo you for that a uh, fun size twix <laughs> this wouldn't fly but uh yeah no no one no one's giving away their drugs so you can yeah you, what you should be concerned about is the rope-a-dope of people giving out tracks yeah yeah and other fair. various so it's, again at least at the shadrach meshach and a bean to go coffee no one's gonna go trick-or-treating there if they have like a local, come on by. No one, no one's gonna do it because they, you're gonna get okie doked. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I like the idea of of uh, if you're so worried about people sneaking things into something that was ostensibly about something else, then why don't you stop sneaking your political discussions into our otherwise nice dinner? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it would lead to that point if you. Is it a coincidence that the people who think people are going to take this thing that's uh, normal and pleasant and uh, a community thing, and they're going to try to sneak their own weird thing in that for some kind of weird, perverse joy is a perfect, the Venn diagram is a perfect circle of people who leave Sunday lunch tips 
that are that thing where it looks like a $50 bill, but it's literally like the greatest oh. gift is the salvation of Jesus. Because yeah. I guarantee you those are the people who are worried <laughs> that their grandchildren are getting fentanyl. I want to be clear because, you know, I've, I've worked some, some service industry jobs and if you want to give me an actual $50 bill, I'm willing to hear your pitch on whatever your religion is. Yeah. I just, I just want to put that out there. Like sure. if, if you can give me the $50 bill and the, you know, so, so maybe you want to be, you know, uh, Zoroastrian, like I'm, I'm prepared to hear you out. You, you, you can buy a few minutes of my time, I guess is the thing that I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For a hundred, I will listen politely and I will ask questions that seem as though I've been paying attention as you've been describing your belief system. Oh, the, the deluxe package. This is exactly what I'm talking about. If you want to bump it up to 200, I will do all. So we're, we're in tiers now, right? So like the next year, <laughs> say this is you know, <laughs> both interpretations of being in tiers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the next one up I'm thinking is the $200 tier. And on that one, you get all the benefits of the previous tiers, of course, but I will also thoughtfully nod and stroke my chin and say, I'm going to really think about what we discussed here today. I'm going to take that with me. Which gives you the ability to go back to your faith community and be like, you know what? I think I really made an impact today. Yeah. Jed, you you need a marketing guy because the proselyte the proselyzing um Kickstarter that you're discussing right here, there's some people that would sign up and pay <laughs> you for this. The only thing I would suggest is when you're when you're pricing this stuff out, don't forget the shipping, mate. <laughs> now I, I need some help because look, you, you want to plan ahead. Similar to forgetting to incorporate shipping costs, you know, you you don't want to get stuck holding the bag. What is the appropriate tier cost for the one at which I will attend your house of worship a single time? Wow. My gut says a grand, but I'm I'm be, I'm prepared to be talked lower or higher on that. I, I think I think this is going to be adjusted based on the presence and type and quantity of donuts. Oh, dude, yes. I yes. think there's a sliding scale for many things on this. And I also think this should be a thing where you, you, you do not buy a single unit. It's not, you. I will attend your house of worship. We're talking about 15-minute increments here. <laughs> now, now that, that's marketing brilliance. You know what I love? And we would kind of need an app to do this. So... Let's just call a dollar value. For $1,000, I will attend your house of worship for 15 minutes. At 14 minutes and 30 seconds, I'm going to stand up and say, oh, I'm so sorry. Something has suddenly come up. But with the app, you can issue another payment while I'm sitting there Wow! to buy another 15 minutes of my attendance. It's like the the Park Chicago app where when it, you'll get a little note that your, your parking runs out in 10 minutes. Would you like to add more time? <laughs> exactly. My interest in your religion runs out in three minutes and 37 seconds. Would you like to add more proselytizing? Your Jetrion you know, subscription is about to run out. Would you like, it <laughs> looks like pastor is going over. Would you like to add more time? Here's what I'm saying to you guys. When you take Jed's encyclopedic knowledge of how much gear costs, some of these churches are making this bet right here. You you might might get a little bit of uh, you might get a little bit of free inventorying going on there. 
an appraisal comes free. (laughs) I think that this opens up another interesting avenue given, um, given the, the Halloween season coming up and it's great to get candy once a year. It's one of the, the great joys of childhood, but is there a way you could leverage these weirdos so that they want to give you more stuff year round? Oh, like, cause there's a certain type of person who loves uh, that young person's not like the other young people. Yeah, that's very good. That's so, you very, know, very I, I'd really love to have that weird thing that's wrapped in a, in a thing that looks like a strawberry and will just adhere itself to my teeth all at once. Uh, <laughs> Mrs. Johnson there, but, but why don't you tell me a story about how people just don't work as hard nowadays? <laughs> and you hand her a card and be like, I appreciated that story. That will be, re- this will be redeemable for one full size candy bar at some point between March and April of next year. <laughs> what, what you're describing is a very literal form of attention economy. Yeah. A real pay for play situation. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's kind of incredible. That's well, you're, you're making me think like, you know, what one of my not prouder moments was I don't know I feel like this was pre COVID but I was at a restaurant and the the people who were eating there were they were hard to take like I mean this this was um, a crowd that was really full of themselves but the food was so good that I decided to make peace with that. Like, I felt like I was perjuring myself with every bite. Like, you know, this isn't true to your core values. Like, shut up, conscience. This oh. beef is perfectly executed. All right. So why must lies be so delicious? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I think my thing is, like, I'm, I'm trying to evaluate foods that I would want enough to listen to a 15 minute discussion of why people don't work hard anymore. And I got to be honest, I've got a fair number of foods that are on that list. Okay, now what this opens up is an amazing opportunity where we combine a church growth strategy with the church potluck. <laughs> wow. So yeah. how much of the service are you coming to? What are you volunteering for? What's your, you know, we got a certain number of amen tiers, you know? Yeah, yeah. If you come up to a pastor and mention a part of his sermon that you thought was particularly insightful— and all of these can come with either kind of a, a video game style unlocking of better potluck materials or line placement. You've unlocked you've unlocked first crack at the banana pudding. That's yeah. right. Yep, yep. We're sorry. Yes, I know that you'd love to go into that part where the the three grandmas skip the service and have been cooking there since eight AM, but that's for our premium members. Oh, oh. They need at least four hours of children's volunteering per quarter. And at least once a month, you need to go up to the worship leader and say, I really, really enjoyed that last chorus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of like, you know how uh, I assume you guys did the places back when we were kids that had you exchange tickets for prizes, right? Like your. um, Yeah. Skee-ball. Uh, a Chuck E. Yeah, cheese. Exactly. 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 Right. And like when you looked in like the, the prize center, right, there was a bunch of stuff like clearly no one would ever buy, like no one would ever have enough tickets right. for this. You know, it was like a telescope and it was a million tickets and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> and and I the feel bike like that's been there for 18 years. Ex- exactly. Exactly. 
And I feel like we got to have some, you know, some elements like that. I feel like, you know, Miss Doris's red velvet cake is one of those of like, you will never do enough things to merit this. It's just yeah. there to taunt you that you can't actually have it. You, you literally have to get baptized <laughs> into their faith. Yeah. To get this. And it's got to be the first one. None of that I recommit my faith later in life stuff. Yeah, yeah that's I right. Know. That's right. <laughs> Rededicating. There yeah. it is. There it is. Yeah. Instead of being concerned that people are giving away their drugs they worked very, very hard to acquire, um, you could use that energy to go door to door in your neighborhood, to your churches in, handing out the uh, first timer menu. <laughs> And you give a little, you got a little like again. You're gonna, we're gonna have to kick it up here. Like a nice full size candy bar as a down payment. Say like, if you yeah. would like to come and sit through at least half of the service on Sunday, we can guarantee you at least one serving of the good casserole. Oh, two yeah. sides. Meanwhile, during this entire discussion, there's still a certain percentage of my brain's CPU that's that's working on menu items at Shadrach, Meshach, and a bean and to a go. And a bean to go. Yeah. One of them is the Elijah on Mount Carmel Macchiato. Oh, oh dude, brilliant. Brilliant. And, and I'll take a medium cup of the um it's it's the word dark for dark roast, but yeah. the but the A R K dark the uh dark of the covenant roast. The oh, ARK is in all caps right there. That's and right. I just I just had to share those because I can't stop thinking about them. That's good. I, the, this That's this good. whole conversation, the Halloween, the 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 fentanyl, all of it. I, I'm still just looking at the menu board at uh Shadrach, Meshach, and a bean to go. I think that's right as well as it should be. That the dark dark rose is much better than my I was trying to find some way of they they love the darkness because they do their Awful deeds there, but making that about dark rose, but <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a little judgy even for Shadrach me checking a bean to go. <laughs> yeah. And also, and this is just a free business idea as we had to get on the show. Shouldn't something named after the story of Shadrach me checking a bed and go be a pizza or some other oven yes. centric joint? You would think so. I'm just you saying. Think so. It's right. There's there. a fourth. If you, if you guys are thinking about adding a service. There's a fourth topping on there, and behold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One, one like a son of ham. Uh, yes! There it is. There it is. That oh. is a one-two combination worth going out on. So in that moment, we will declare Incredible. emergency off. Now, does emergency off mean that the rest of us won't be spending the, sh- the show thinking of more awful, awful Old Testament-based coffee shop puns? We're going to all find out together, dear listener. Yep, it's going to happen. We're going to jump for now to your first to your questions. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this, where you can scroll down to your episode description, click the links you find there. Our first question comes in and says, Hebrews 4.1 says to be careful not to be found to have fallen short. But Romans pretty famously says it all have fallen short. It doesn't matter. So what does this mean? I swear I did not intentionally put Hebrews-based question. Wow. Number one, after the coffee bits just a little happy accident for us there but a very cool question uh based on this verse and lee where do we start off here yeah this is a very cool question i'm i, I think that there's a to me there's this kind of uh 30,000 foot view that helps me with a lot of scripture questions that i don't really understand and one of 
one of the 30,000 foot view, like in other words, just zoom out as much as possible when I'm, when, when I'm confused. One of the 30,000 foot view um, things that helps me is actually something I, I picked up from Jed many, many years ago. And um, we're going to get to that one in a second. But w- the place I want to start is the other 30,000 foot view question that's been helping me a whole lot with scripture lately, questions that I don't understand, is just this. If I was to if I was to approach this with just zero defensiveness and a ton of humility, what would I think about it? Um, a lot of theological stuff tends to me to to kind of unfold and present itself uh, with a lot more clarity and understanding when I approach it with a whole lot of humility. Um, when I look at that, like for instance, that verse in Romans three that you mentioned, um, you know, everybody's fallen short um, uh, of the glory of God. If the only reason that that would be a difficult verse for me to look at would be the idea that, like, well, not me. Um, like maybe everybody else has fallen short, but I don't know. I think I'm holding it together pretty great. Um, that that's kind of the that that's kind of the place where. Uh, just a little dose of humility helps me to realize about myself. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. I, I can see myself in that in that place right there. And um, there's a similar thing that happens with kind of this verse in the book of Hebrews, and actually the whole book of Hebrews. When I look at it with a little bit of humility, and and what I want to do is just set some kind of context broadly for the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, the whoever wrote it, which by the way we don't know. Um, who wrote it? Some people say it was the Apostle Paul. Maybe it was. Some people, it, some people's like you know maybe it was a woman. Maybe it was one of the female apostles that you know that Paul mentions like in at the end of the book of Romans or something like that. Who knows who wrote it? We don't. But whoever wrote it, the whole point of the book of Hebrews was to a group of people who had come to believe in Jesus, and because of that, their life had become very, very difficult. Like, their relational life, their um, their uh, professional lives, their all kinds of stuff, they've basically been kicked out of a lot of spaces because they are now affiliated with Jesus. And the author of the book of Hebrews is basically saying, I know that it seems really appealing to get out of this thing. And I know that there are times when you look at it and say like, I am going to back out of this and, and, and not be a part of this Jesus thing anymore. What I want to say to you is, hang on, stay in this. It'll be worth it. I, I know it seems like the greatest idea in the world to, to go ahead and get out of this. I know that there are times when it's, this has made your life harder in a lot of ways. And I know that there are some people that are super screwed up on this thing. I'm I'm telling you, you should hang on. You should hang on for some for some key reasons. That's really the whole point of the book of uh, uh, of the book of Hebrews is, hang on. That thirty thousand foot view of myself with just a lot of humility, that helps me look at the book of Hebrews because that's been me at times. There have been times when I'm like, man, I just don't know if I can hang on with this thing. And if you've ever been there. I think the book of Hebrews would have a lot of stuff to say, but we can't look at any of it if we're not willing to say, that's been me from time to time. It's been me from time to time to look around at the world of Christians, to look at the, around at the world of Christianity and say, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to be in this. I don't know if this is me anymore. I don't know if I identify with this. I don't know if I can hang in there. If I can admit that I've been that person who 
has felt my grip loosening, that has struggled to hang on and stuff like that, then I'm actually going to find some cool stuff in the book of Hebrews. But I've got to start there, that I'm the kind of person that needs to read a book about this. I'm the kind of person that needs a message like this. The other thing I was going to say that that I actually picked up from Jed a long time ago is when I'm struggling to understand some things in Scripture that maybe make me feel like I'm on shaky ground, to back all the way out and ask this question. And I love the way Jed said it many years ago, what kind of a dude is Jesus? Like when you look at the scriptures, when you look at the Bible, what kind of a dude is Jesus? Is he the kind of a dude who says, you have to do this perfectly and you got to hang on with a, with a, you know, a clenched fist, white knuckle grip the whole time, or I'm out on you, man. Like if you back down, if you struggle, if you have doubts, and if you can't hang on, I'm done with you. If you fall short or you fall out, we're through. Is that the kind of is that the kind of person that Jesus is or is Jesus the kind of person who says I have literally moved heaven and earth to do everything I can to make sure that you are part of my family and I'm holding you in my grip. This is not about you hanging on. This is about me holding on to you. And yes, there's there's this whole thing there're going to be times when you feel like you're struggling on that, and there are going to be some times when you feel like you can't hang on, and I think you should. I think you should hang on, and I think we're going to work that out together. The, those two questions, just taking a look at myself with a lot of humility and honesty about my own doubts and my own struggles, and then backing all the way out and looking at Jesus as well and saying, what kind of a person is Jesus? What is this faith really all about? Is it really about me doing this perfectly? Is that what this is about? Or is this about God himself saying, I have moved heaven and earth to come down and find you and take care of you and hold on to you. And I want you to be able to be honest about that. And so take an honest, humble look at who you are and what your doubts are and all those things and know that I have moved heaven and earth to make you mine and to take care of you and I'm holding you in, in my grip. If, if we can back all the way out and look at those things, then we can engage the book of Hebrews in particular, and then all the way down to some of these, to some of these questions about what it looks like to hang on to something through doubts and problems with a little more clarity. A great, great place to start that off. And Jed, where would we take it from there? Totally agree with everything that Lee said. And I just really want to repeat, you know, for plenty of people who grow up around church stuff, they, they're afraid, right? And you're, you're looking for a way that God doesn't actually love you or doesn't actually forgive you or doesn't actually want you, you know, in some way that you've committed the unforgivable sin, in some way that you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit, in some way that you've lost your salvation and, um, you know, you didn't make the cut. And there's a few passages actually in Hebrews that just kind of sound, if, if you have those fears that can hit your ear funny and and sound like that. And so I just want to reiterate what Lee was just saying. God is not trying to leave you out. Yeah. The end. Uh, The Bible literally says, it says in the New Testament, God doesn't desire that any should perish. Says in the Old Testament, God takes pleasure in the death of no one. God wants you. God is not trying to leave you out. If if you want it back at all in any way, even a little bit, you've got it, dude. Because God super, super, super wants you. If if you want it back, like at all, you've got it. It's 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 a done deal, man. You don't you don't need to worry about that. I know for a lot of people, you're going to worry about it anyway. 
But mm. hear me, God is not trying to leave you out. The the whole point of of the whole Bible, actually, but especially the New Testament, is that God is trying to leave you in. God, God's trying to get you up in this, man. That's right. I referenced Will Ferrell being Neil Diamond in a VH1 storyteller sketch in the midst of this. You're welcome for that. Sure. God, yeah. God will leave you in. He's got... <laughs> God does not want to leave you out. God wants to include you. I think probably my favorite verse, the way it's translated in the message, is where Peterson writes, become friends with God. God is already friends with you. Hmm. That's that's it, man. That's that's the truth of of the whole Bible. And as I've as you've heard Lee say that, as you've heard me say that, you're not just going to suddenly be convinced in one go. You know, you might have heard people talk about preaching the gospel to yourself. Do that. Wake up every day for the rest of your life and say, "God wants me. God is already friends with me. I'm going to figure out today what it looks like for me to be friends with God." God is not trying to exclude me. Every single day that you wake up, tell that to yourself. But then I want to encourage you to ask, because it's really, really important, who in your life has been trying to tell you that God's trying to leave you out? Mm. Who in your life has been trying to tell you that you're not quite cutting the mustard? Who in your life has been telling you that you're falling short? Yeah, I mean, I get there's, there's an element of a voice of a guilty conscience and all that kind of stuff, but like, you didn't come up with these ideas out of nowhere what's feeding all of this fear? Because the, the actual good news of the actual gospel is that God just totally desperately loves you. And that's it, man. And ever since there have been people trying to add provisos and limitations and well, it's not exactly that. I mean, I literally had a pastor friend one time explain to me that God doesn't actually love people who aren't Christians. And like, dude, you, that's heresy. That's literal <laughs> heresy. People have been trying to find a way to screw up something really simple ever since. And I need to know, I want you to know who are those people in your life mm-hmm. and what do we need to do where they're not putting that poison in your brain anymore? One of the worst things for your spiritual and emotional and mental health is to be told that you're not worthy of love. And I think you have people telling you that. They're doing it in religious terms, but they're telling you, you are not worthy of love. If God loves you, you are worthy of love, dude. That's it. That's the end. Don't let anyone tell you you're not worthy of love. I know you have people telling you that. Find out who those people are and cut them the heck out of your life. You are worthy of love. If God's giving it to you, it's right for you to have it. If God wants you to have it, it belongs to you. You are worthy of love. Find where that fear is being fed and get rid of it, man. Every day for the rest of your life, as long as it takes, wake up and remind yourself of the things that Lee told you. Jesus loves me exactly as I am. Jesus wants me exactly as I am. Jesus chooses me exactly as I am. Jesus accepts me exactly as I am. It will change your life, and the only person who can do that for you is you. I'm begging you for your own sake and for the sake of a world that needs you to be the fully switched on person God made you to be. Mm. Get up tomorrow and start doing that and become who God made you to be. Uh, excellently put at every turn. I, for a second there, thought that Jed was going to take it towards find those people, find who they are, and cut them. <laughs> and I would have agreed. I'm thinking uh, it. Because, you know, he's on a roll and he's not wrong. 
but cutting them out is a much better uh, way to go. I think uh, Jed spiritually is spiritually and uh, and categorically first He's, one, then the other. If 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 Jed is encouraging us to use the non-existent razor blades, we were told were in the apples at Halloween when we were kids. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I want to give you a say that promise. If you have received a hidden razor blade in your Halloween candy, you may use that weapon to cut those people. Also, if I came to your house on Halloween looking for Twix and you gave me an apple, you kind of did cut me. <laughs> you, you cut my heart. <laughs> yeah, that's always where that urban legend fell apart. Like they, they, this person, this nefarious person went to all the effort to hide a razor blade because they just want, they just wanted to cut a child, the roof of a child's mouth, I guess. Uh, but then they put it in an apple. And yeah, also, also in the, 80s, the apple's not getting pulled out. No, no. And the, it, no, we're, yeah, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to uh, eat that. Also, I was already cutting the roof of my mouth with the Captain Crunch all throughout the eighties. That's definitely true. That's yeah. definitely true. And well, every frozen pizza. Of, <laughs> <laughs> there's also the factor of your average 11 year old. If you told them, okay, you got a free bag of candy. There's a razor blade in one of these things. They just eat the whole thing. Worth yep. it. Yep. <laughs> Worth it. Just, you know, kids understand risk reward ratios there. They, they may not have them calibrated, but they understand them. Yeah, that's right. Well, with that said, and I forgot what that question we said we were talking about there. It was going to transition very nicely into our second question. Uh, <laughs> so just pretend we didn't do that whole last bit. Because our second question comes in and kind of ties in exactly what Jed was uh, ending with there about where we get these ideas about maybe not being uh, worth uh, worthy of love or something. And it says, I always feel like I'm letting someone down. When I was little, it was my parents. Sometimes it has been God. But sometimes I don't even know who it is. It's just someone out there that I'm letting down. How do I deal with that? And I, I think it's a really interesting question here, and we certainly can and have spoken uh, pretty extensively on this show about the the idea that we're letting God down. We uh, talk, touched on that pretty extensively in the previous question and got a great answer on that. Uh, the parent thing is, I'm I'm sure we've all got a, a little bit of that, and we can speak to that. Um, it would be great for you to speak to a licensed therapist or counselor about that because. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on there. Again, we all have some version of that. We have a lot going on there. But the one that I'm, I'm really fascinated by is this, I just this nebulous someone out there that I am letting down. And, and Jed kind of mentioned that last question of where we get these ideas and how, what we can do to speak to them. So Lee, where would we start off with this? Well, I think Matt's exactly right about speaking to a licensed counselor, therapist about, about all these issues. And I, I, I do want to say, I'm sorry that you were made to feel this way. Um, it's, it is a crappy feeling to feel like you are a disappointment to somebody. Um, you know, you're like, I look at my own life and the lives of tons and tons of people that I've talked to over the years about these, this exact same kind of scenario. And one thing I can tell you from the top is, um, your, your parents' job was to make you feel seen and cared about, provided for and loved. That was your parents' job, um, to make you feel like you were loved, taken care of, understood, seen, and cared about. That was their job. Your coaches, if you played an athletic sport or did something like that, your coach's job was to encourage you, to teach you, um, to make you f- uh, feel like you're growing, and and, um, and and to set you up to be successful. That was, that was their job. 
their job was not to make you feel like any you know something that you did on the on the practice field or on the in a game situation was you know let them down in some way teachers same deal the <clears throat> people in your life who were you know adults authority figures uh, who were in a position to care for you in some way to instruct you in some way their job was to encourage something in you um not for you to be put into a situation where you were made to feel like you let them down. Um, and I'm so sorry that, that, that you feel that way, but I think that all of those things contribute to what you're talking about, about the idea of there's a nebulous somebody out there that I am letting down, whether that be, it could be God, it could be just somebody. I, I'm a disappointment to somebody. I know I was made definitely made to feel, you know, growing up in church stuff, that I was a disappointment to God the whole time. I mean, and I've talked to tons and tons and tons of people who were made to feel the exact same way. And just like Jed ended on that last on that last question, this is a thing that you're going to have to take hold of to understand I am not a disappointment to God. One of the things that's really cool about God being God is that God already knew everything about you before you got into a relationship with him. He wasn't he's not surprised by who you turned out to be. It's not like he thought you were cool and then you guys started hanging out and then you did something and he's like, oh man, I didn't see that coming. That's not the way God operates. That's not the way time works for God. You are not a disappointment to God. God knew and knows everything about you, wanted you anyway, wanted you because of who you are. And exactly what Jed said, if God loves you, you're worthy of love. You are officially wantable, lovable, and wanted and loved. Um, I think that that nebulous somebody out there comes from these, we've had these people in our lives who have made us feel like in some way, like their joy or their happiness was dependent upon our behavior or performance, and so we have let them down in some way. And then the question that I would love for you to get to asking is looking in the mirror of your own life and saying, what do I want my life to be about? What are my actual goals? What are the things that would make me happy with myself? And how could I hook some of that up for myself? Instead of wondering what it is that somebody else wants for your life or wondering what behavior or what accomplishment would be the thing that would satisfy either your parents or your coaches or your teachers or, or that nebulous somebody out there, what is the thing that brings you some joy, some enjoyment, some satisfaction? What is the thing that would make you pumped about today? Um, if I... If I was to if I was to move towards this goal in this way, then I would look at today and say, that was cool. I, I enjoyed that. I, I'm glad I did that today. I'm glad that my day and my living included that thing that I that, that I moved towards or that I accomplished or whatever. There's a we talked about this some in the last episode. There's a hesitancy on a on you know within a lot of folks, and particularly folks who grew up around church stuff to take ownership over the idea that you have desires and wants and that they can be good things. Um, You are allowed to want and to desire some things for your life, to have some goals, to set them and to decide the kinds of things that you like. Um, I was talking to a kid who um, goes to our church who just came back from a vacation. And I said, how was your uh, vacation? They said, it was totally great. I had an amazing time. I said, oh, I, well, you guys went to the beach, so do you love the beach? And and uh, this this kid's in high school, and she goes, oh, no, no, I, I hate the beach. 
And I was like, well, you just said you had a great time. And she was like, yeah, that's because I literally like set up a tent and I read like three enormous books throughout the entire week. She said, what I wanted to do was I wanted to get away from my normal life and read these books. And I was like, so you read the books? And she was like, absolutely. I was like, so even though you hate the beach, you had a great time. She was like, I had a wonderful time. I didn't do any of the beach things. Like I didn't get in the water at all, but I read those books. And I'm like, good for you. Sounds like you had an amazing vacation. She was like, I did. I had an amazing vacation. What is the thing that for you would be fun, satisfying, a good goal, all that kind of stuff? I think you should start looking at some of those things. If somebody would call it selfish, then be selfish. Be greedy. What is the thing that you're looking for? Stop looking over our shoulders so much to figure out who am I disappointing and start figuring out what is the thing that would make me pumped, that would make me excited about this day, this week, this season of my life. You're allowed to want that stuff. You're allowed to find that stuff. You're allowed to move towards that stuff. A great, great place to start that off. And Jed, where do we go from there? Loved everything Lee said. I want to keep right on with it. Um, just so you know, and this is going to sound maybe a little bit like lip service, but I, I absolutely mean it. Uh, to us, you're a huge success. But let me tell you why I say that. We make this show every week, and we have for well over 10 years, and I think I can speak for all of us in saying our minds are boggled that you would care enough to listen to it and to write a question and to send it in and to care what we think. I think you're amazing. Like, you're, you are a huge blessing to us that you would care about this thing that we make. You should own that. You you should own that there's someone in the world to whom you are a slam dunk success because you are absolutely that to us. Um, maybe you're not that to other people. I don't know. Maybe they have a point. Maybe they don't. But to us, you absolutely are. That's that's something to feel good about. That's something to celebrate. The thing I want to encourage you to do off of what Lee is saying is to begin to interrogate your own sense of expectations. And to begin to ask, what constitutes success? And why is that success? I think one of the things when people are, are dissatisfied with outcomes that is most common is that they actually don't have a clear picture of what success would be to them. Oftentimes, it's more an emotional state that they're going for. and there's a sense of, of feeling let down because I was shooting for a particular emotional state and this sequence of events did not create within me that emotional state. Therefore it, it must be a failure. And that's not a good way to set expectations for a whole bunch of reasons. But one of them is that it's actually pretty hard to just insist that you feel a certain way. Like most people are not very good at just forcing themselves into a certain emotional state. Um, and given that, it's it's kind of hard to set expectations on things that you don't you don't have a lot of of control over. So things that are a little bit more objective are, are generally a, a good idea. And that kind of leads to the next question of: Is this expectation that you have for yourself and you know an arena of life is it serving you? Like mm. expectations should actually make your life better. Let, let me let me give you an example of what I mean. If you say, I'm going to set an expectation of myself that I, I need to get at least seven hours of sleep a night because that's good self-care and it's me looking out for me and it's me prioritizing, you know, my own well-being and my own health. If that helps to drive you 
to actually get enough sleep at night, on some level, that expectation is serving you. That expectation is is making your life better. Yeah, you could get into a weird guilt game where you just kind of beat yourself up, you know, over the amount of sleep that you get. But it is certainly possible to say, I expect that this should happen and that that would that would serve you. That would that would be an organizing principle in your life that would help you to achieve the things that you care about. But if you've got an expectation and all that it's introducing into your life is negativity and shame and unhappiness and dissatisfaction and displeasure, it is not serving you. And if it's not serving you, you have permission to to get rid of it. You have permission to let it go, man. You do not need to hold on to things that are not serving you. And you definitely don't need to hold on to expectations that are not serving you. The next question is to ask, which people very rarely do. Is this realistic? If your if your goal is I need to get twelve hours of sleep every night, um, that is probably not realistic for most of us. I mean, I don't know if it would even be pleasant to be deadly honest. But um, if if you're setting expectations that basically aren't really going to be attainable, I, I think for a lot of folks they can be kind of tempted to feel like, well, that's you know that's me setting myself up to be a a high achiever. I'll only settle for the best. Yeah. But if it's not, if it's not really achievable, then again, it's not serving you. It's not, it's not any kind of organizing principle in your life. It's just creating pressure for yourself that you can never quite get rid of. That's awful. Don't, don't do that to yourself. Don't, don't set unrealistic expectations. And that kind of leads to the last one, which, you know, we, we kind of approach these things by gradations, but is it sane? Like, is there any world in which you could, you could actually live this out? You know, I mean, like, depending on, on where on the internet you hang out, um, I think you're supposed to be a Rhodes Scholar and also have started your third business and also be doing a sub three hour marathon and also doing meal prep and also baking fine French pastry and also working on the great American novel and also uh, practicing, you know, your graduate level Japanese coursework, like anything less than that is what, what are we even talking about? That that's not tethered to reality, man. That's that's not. And the through line from everything that Lee said and from everything I'm suggesting to you is embracing a sense of personal authority and agency that you can interrogate your own expectations. And then you can tell them no. You can interrogate your own expectations and you can say, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not playing that particular game. I'm not, I'm not trying to achieve that. I'm not trying to abide by that. I'm not trying to live up to that. If that's a new idea for you, totally cool. You may find that you can do that. And then five minutes later, you maybe need to do that again, but you can interrogate your own expectations. You can decide that they're not good or right or valid or serving you. And you can tell them no. And you can set, just like Lee said, you can set new expectations that are about the life you actually want for yourself. And ideally you would do those two things in tandem. It's very hard to get rid of something negative without replacing it with something positive. But here's the good news. And this is the bottom line that I want to leave you with. This can get better. That, that constant sense of like, you're never quite measuring up and you're never quite good enough. That can get better. Will you get to a point where you never, ever feel that way again? I don't know, but I know it can get better. I know there are steps you can take. I know talking to a therapist can help a lot. I know it can get better. We want it to get better for you. 
So I want to encourage you to take the steps that you can take to get that better experience of life day to day. Absolutely right. Fantastically put. Um, These guys are absolutely, absolutely coming on to it that, um, and especially as Jed said in his answer there, there is this kind of floating idea that the way to be successful or happy eventually, I guess, is to never settle for good enough. You may have heard something like that. And um, that doesn't work. Yep. And to the extent it does work, it leads to being miserable all of the time that you are working towards a goal, <laughs> which is like not a great way to go through life. Um, there's a story I heard recently and it's, it's, I'm sure it's apocryphal, but it's a very interesting illustration at this point that uh, it's, I think it's uh, Kurt Vonnegut and Joseph Heller. The two authors are at some schmancy party in the Hamptons at some, you know, banker guys throwing in the seventies or whatever. And the huge opulent house, and they overhear these these Wall Street guys talking about their bonuses, and they just came in, and that's why they're throwing the party. And Vonnegut turns to Heller and said, the the number that guy just said that he makes in a year, that's more than you made for all of, that's more money than you made off Catch-22, which was Joseph Heller's novel, like, in perpetuity. And he, I guess he's needling one. How do you feel about that? And the response apparently was Heller saying, yes, but I have something he'll never have. What's that? Enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I am. I have more money than this dude by the measure of I have enough. He does. He apparently does not, right? Because he's throwing a weird party talking about how much money he makes. It is okay, and oftentimes even healthy, to declare enough. Yep. Yeah. Um. For in whatever way that is, that could be grades. That could be level at work. That could be fitness. That could be the amount you read. That could be the amount you volunteer. The amount of money you give. Whatever the thing is where you just inherently feel, I guess I would put it this way. Do you feel like you're not doing enough or do you feel like enough doesn't exist? Because those are kind of separate things and you may be conflating the first one with the second one. There is a difference between I have this goal or this has been, I've been told that this is what I should, X amount is what I should do and I am doing half of X amount, and I need to figure that out. That's a thing. Um, there are definitely, you know, uh, places in your life where that's that's going to come up, and that's totally cool. You can come up with a plan, sustainable way to do things. But there is a different thing, which is no matter how much I do, it is not enough. There's no way to make that healthy. There's no way to work towards that. You do have to have a finish line in mind before you can gauge your success in a way that is is healthy. And as these guys point out, there's a lot of healthy and constructive ways to do that. We're going to move on to our final question here. It comes in and says, how do I know if a part of my life is bearing fruit? Some things take time and some things don't always look amazing, but does that mean they're not bearing fruit? And I think we can all guess what passage of scripture this person may have heard a clunkily worded sermon on recently. A great fun game to play with any say that question that comes in for you at home. But a very cool question. I really like where this is going. And Lee, where do we start off? Wow, there's there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot that the to talk about here and a lot that could be said. I, I wanna I want everything that I that that I'm going to say to be under the umbrella of one word, which is the word relax. And if we could do that, if we could just agree that that we're just gonna throw a gigantic blanket over this whole response, which is just the word relax, I think that would be a lovely place to begin. There's a really comforting um, 
verse in the book of Isaiah that's it's just something that's always been comforting to me and where the Lord says I I have called you oaks of righteousness um this is what I'm turning you into I'm he's talking about making this this group of people into his people he's like I'm I'm about this business I'm I'm making you my people and I've called you oaks of righteousness I love that because um the the oak tree is a tree that um, you know, depending on what variety you're looking at, one thing almost all oaks have in common is they do not become fruitful in the sense of they do not produce acorns that could become other oak trees until they are at least 70 years old. So oak trees live, grow, and go through seasons, dig down root roots, go through storms, go through sun and snow and seasons, all of that stuff, literally for decades before they become anything that anybody would recognize as fruitful. I absolutely love that, just that idea from Scripture and from the Lord that like, hey, what I'm doing in your life is a slow process, and I want you to feel the freedom to relax about that, Um, that I'm at work in you and we're doing a thing but it's going to take some time. That's a very, very comforting thing for me, um, that that God is up to something in my life, and parts of it are going to take a long, long, long time to be revealed or to, or to, to show any movement or that anybody would recognize. So if we could go under the under the umbrella of relax and un, and also under the under the umbrella of a lot, some things take a lot of time. Then within that. I just want to propose some questions for you to ask yourself. And the questions go like this. What is something that when you're involved in it, or you do it, or you accomplish it, it makes you feel a sense of pride? Like, you're proud of it. If you make something, or you do something, or you accomplish something, or you... You you have you set a goal and then you do the thing. Maybe it's like you paint a picture or you learn how to play a song or you um, you went on a walk or you made some food or whatever. Like you in particular and your personality, you do this thing and you feel a sense of pride. Not a sense of pride like I'm the greatest who ever lived at you know making these brownies, but like I make the brownies, I I eat one of the brownies. I just feel really good about myself. I did that and it was good. Like I would say, however you would answer that question, that's something to pay attention to about your life. That's all I want to say. Within the, within the umbrella of relax, within the umbrella of God is at work in my life and some of it's going to take a long, long time to develop and to figure out, ask myself the question, what do I do that makes me feel proud of myself? Pay attention to that. Here's another question. What is something that I like giving energy to that I don't care how it looks to anyone else? Like, I don't need it to look cool on social media. I don't need to, to for anybody else to think it's like Etsyable or I'm not trying to turn it into a business or it doesn't have to be shiny or polished or fine or amazing. But I like putting energy into this and I don't care who knows it. I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to be pat on the back a million times about it or anything like that. I I just enjoy putting energy into this because of what it is or what it does or how it benefits somebody else, whatever it looks like. That's something to pay attention to. Last question, sounds like the last one, it's a little bit different, is 
what is something that I would still be involved in even if nobody ever got to know that I was involved in it? What is something that I would do and I would involve myself in even if I was never allowed to tell anybody about it? I think those, I think that's something that you should pay attention to. Um, so often, things that bear fruit, my brain immediately, a lot of times when you hear sermons about stuff bearing fruit, what people are talking about is they want you to behave a certain way, they want you to stop sinning, or whatever whatever thing that they think is bad, they want you to stop. Whatever they think, whatever thing they think is good, they want you to do. Typically, in in the scriptures, fruitfulness has to do with caring for, loving other people, meeting other people's needs, holding other people up, taking care of somebody else. Within within the boundary of, within kind of the umbrella of relax, everything's fine, God's at work in my life, and some things are going to take a long time to figure out. What do I do that makes me feel proud of myself? What do I do that I don't. What do I like putting energy into that doesn't need to be polished, doesn't need to be fancy? I don't. I don't need to brag about it. And what would I still want to be a part of, even if nobody ever knew about it? What I'm telling you is, if you paid attention to those, to to those markers, and you followed them down the street a little bit, you are going to be involved in some stuff that's going to bear lots of fruit in other people's lives, and it's going to bear fruit in your life as well. It's going to build you up. It's going to take care of other people. It's going to meet their needs. And God's going to use you a lot. Um, if, if you don't care what it looks like and you don't need anybody else to know anything about it and it makes you feel proud of who you are, you're following some directional points about the person God uniquely made you to be in your community and in this world. We, we need you to figure those things out, N- not because we're in a hurry, but because when you unlock the uniqueness of what you love putting your energy into that that helps other people, man, you're going to change the world and bear fruit in beautiful, beautiful ways. I can't wait to see what those things are. But hey, relax. We're not in a hurry. It could take a long time to figure out, and that's okay too. Great place to start that off. And Jed, where do we close it out? I totally agree with, with everything that Lee said. Let's say for a minute that you do have this one area of life where you feel like you really do need to bear fruit or make progress or whatever, and you're just not sure if you're getting there or not, if you're spinning your wheels or not, and you're just trying to figure it out. And we could use something totally non-spiritual, like, you know, you've taken a job that requires giving presentations, and you've never really done that before. You don't feel like you're very good at it. You're trying, but you don't know if if you're really getting anywhere and you're you're not you're not quite sure what to do. And again, to be clear, this goes all of this goes right along with everything that, that Lee is telling you. This is a both and. You've got this one area. You you got to find a way to improve, and you don't know if you're getting anywhere. Here's what you need: you need an expert. You don't need a general purpose expert because there's no such thing. And that's something mm-hmm. that Christians get confused about because basically, celebrity pastors, their job is to be a general purpose expert. There's no such thing as that. You need a topical expert for the thing that you are trying to figure out, which is the only form of expertise there is or that matters. And here's why you need that is an expert knows when an unfinished thing is where it should be. Let me say that again. An expert knows when an unfinished thing is where it should be. Here's an easy example. A good baker knows how the batter should look before it goes in the oven. It's not done. It's not close to done. It may need to be in that oven for like a couple hours, 
But a good baker knows what that batter is supposed to look like and feel like and taste like and smell like before it goes in the oven. That's that's kind of how you know they're a great baker is they know what they know what the steps are and they know how to validate the steps that will get us to a finished product. People that aren't experts don't typically know that stuff. That's that's kind of the thing that makes an expert is someone who who understands the process well enough to be able to break it down into stages and look at what we need to check for and test for and validate one stage to the next so that we can be confident that we will get to the outcome and the fruit that we are looking for on this situation. No one should ever say to you, you've just got to do better and expect that you would figure it out on your own with no help and no guidance and then belittle you for that not working out. And least of all, you shouldn't do that to yourself. Like that's, that's crazy pants, dude. Um, Hard things are hard. If they were easy, everyone would do them and would be good at them. Hard things are hard. They're usually multi-stage. They usually involve a lot of ins and outs and what have yous. And finding someone who can guide you through that process, who at the very least can give you some perspective on how you're doing and what your practical steps and your, your next steps are, is absolutely essential. There's, there's a reason. Like, dude, think about it this way. All of the best athletes in the world have coaches. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a second. All of them. All of the top sports people of any kind in any sport, they all have coaches. Think how absurd it would be if you say, well, yeah, I mean, the really good ones have coaches, but I probably don't deserve a coach. Like that's no, no, like everyone benefits from a coach who knows about the thing that, that we are trying to do here. And so my question for you is, are you consulting with relevant experts? If you're consulting with relevant experts, then ask pointed questions about how you're doing and how to evaluate how you're doing and what your next steps would look like and how you can know when they're succeeding. To use our example of, you know, you took a job and you've got to do presenting a lot. No one goes from zero to being a great public speaker in one go. There's no such thing as that. It is a skill you'll develop over time. But someone who is kind of mentoring you in that would be able to watch your presentations and say to you, on your next one, give me a little bit more eye contact. That's the only thing we're going to worry about right now. Just give me a little bit more eye contact, and then we're going to take a look after the presentation and see how you did. We'll build from there, right? If you're not consulting with relevant experts, why not? Is that a money thing? Because, dude, send us an email. We'd love to help you find some resource. We're we're resourceful. We can figure something out. Is that a um, you don't know anybody thing. That's cool. Again, shoot us an email. We talk to your personal network, but you can, you can, you can find somebody. Is that a sense of embarrassment? In which case it's time for cancel culture to strike your embarrassment. We are canceling your embarrassment. (laughs) No more embarrassment. No one should ever be embarrassed about not knowing things. You weren't born with this knowledge. I wasn't born with this knowledge. There's no reason to expect you'd magically know how to present in corporate America. If you haven't done it before. We're not, we're not going to do the, the embarrassment thing. We all have to start somewhere. We all have to learn. Is it a sense that you don't deserve input? Because that's, that's right out. You are a human being created and loved by God. You have needs. Of course you, you deserve help and you deserve input. The, the number one thing that we don't want to do here is get into this weird Christian blame cycle of, I'm supposed to be good at this but I'm not, which probably means I'm bad and not bearing fruit. 
That that is the number one thing that's going to kill the buzz and kill the vibe and not let you move forward. Hard things are hard. They get easier when we have expert guidance. Experts know how things should look when they are still unfinished, which is the exact thing that you need to know. It will to learn that will give you peace. It will give you confidence. It will also help you get better so much faster if you don't have to just guess and figure it out for yourself. If you don't know where to find those experts, reach out to us. We'd love to help you find them. But do not add on to the difficulty of learning a hard thing, an unneeded sense of guilt and shame, particularly one that has been spiritualized. God knows hard things are hard. He would like for you to have experts to help you with that, too. We love you. We've got your back. Don't be beaten up on yourself. Absolutely right. I will, I will add one thing on the end of this, which is just kind of a little different dimension to the way that uh, Jed and Lee gave you some awesome stuff on this question, which is to point out that it is also possible for something to bear fruit in a way that is not inherently productive. Um, it does not need to be gaining a new skill. It does not need to be moving you uh, forward in your job. It does not need to have some kind of uh, monetary or uh, tangible benefit there. Things can bear fruit if you think they're fun or if they help you relax or if you're interested in them. Uh, so one of the, one of the kind of wrong definitions of bearing fruit some people give is get uh, from Christian stuff is this idea that if it's not uh making me money or something I can do at the church or giving me some kind of skill to make me a more productive member of society than it is inherently kind of wasteful and uh, frivolous. But uh, no, uh, reading a book because you enjoy it can bear fruit. Uh, watching a TV show can bear fruit. Hanging out with people can bear, can bear fruit. Um, picking up a new hobby that you're never going to make a dollar on or show to anyone can bear fruit. That's all perfectly fine. It, it looks a little different bearing fruit than some of the other things we've talked about, but it's still there. And that's uh, not an access we need to take into account. We consider if something's worth investing some time and money in. Uh, it makes me happy is a perfectly legitimate kind of fruit uh, for an activity uh, to bear. That's worth keeping in mind. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, the bridge, slash ask. You want to keep a, that totally anonymous. Take us on this week. This is from our friends, Pete and Tasha Lawson. It's called it. It's their version of It Is Well. Take out that. Thanks for listening to this one. We love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.